Welcome to the Exploring Unschooling podcast. I'm Pam Larickia, longtime unschooling mom and author. Join me and my wonderful guests for interviews, information, and inspiration about unschooling and living joyfully with your family. You can find the episode show notes, your free introductory ebook, What is Unschooling?, and lots more information at livingjoyfully.ca. And here's the show. Hi, everyone. I'm Pam Larickia, and this is episode number 106 of the podcast. It's the 10th of January, 2018, as I record this intro. My guest this week is Kelly Callahan. Kelly's family has been unschooling for four years now, and I had a lot of fun chatting with her about the many ways that unschooling has been weaving its way through their lives. We chat about how unschooling came into their lives, her deschooling challenges, the connections she's seen between unschooling and her work as a homeopathic doctor, maintaining family connections with her husband while he travels for work, and lots more. Now, for my update this week, I wanted to give you a heads up that Anne Oman, Anna Brown, and I will be reopening registration for the Childhood Redefined Online Unschooling Summit next week. We're really excited to work with the next group. I thought I'd share uh, some feedback we received from Susan, who joined us in our inaugural summit group, to give you a bit of an idea of what you might expect from the experience. She shared... The Summit online workshop was a very deep dive into discovering, accepting, and celebrating who I am and who my children are. Pam's podcasts, online discussions, and unschooling conferences have been incredible tools for me to understand myself, my child, and unschooling, but this summit is the only place where I have been held by the hand as I worked through those feelings and beliefs that limit my growth and hinder unschooling. It was especially helpful to have the three different voices, each with their own experiences and strengths, sharing their own perspectives of what it is like from the summit. I did a lot of healing of myself and my own childhood experiences that was, is, so necessary for being able to see and appreciate my son for who and what he is. And the experience and the three of you have inspired me to just go for it, embrace possibilities, and believe in myself, my family, and love. The format was great, allowing me to move along at my own speed when I had time. Your quick and thoughtful responses to our questions on the FB page were very helpful. Since we are all moving at our own pace and the whole thing was stretched out over a period of time, we had opportunities to ask about things that came up as they came up. I would have loved to meet everyone in person, and obviously we miss out on something by not being together physically, but this extended time frame to go over everything and ask questions is an advantage that would not be available in an in-person format. So registration for the next group, or expedition, because the summit metaphor fits the experience so beautifully, opens January 18th until the end of the month. If you'd like to learn more about it, check out our website, childhoodredefined.com, and sign up for the mailing list to stay in the loop. Next, I want to send a huge thank you to everyone who has chosen to support the show on Patreon. And a big thank you to Heather Struve and Tara McGovern for upping their pledges this week. Thank you, thank you. It's hard to put into words how much your support means to me to know that you're finding the show helpful on your unschooling journey. 
And I wanted to share a few notes about Patreon. First, I wanted to mention that last month, Patreon, Patreon reversed their proposed change to the pledge processing fees. So if you choose to support the show for a certain dollar amount, that's all you pay, full stop. Second, I've changed the next goal. If we reach $500 per month in pledges, each month I will host an hour-long online Zoom room get-together just for podcast supporters. I'll answer questions and share what I'm up to. Maybe we'll share our favorite TV shows or help someone brainstorm ways to support their child's newest interest. Fun and inspiration will be the name of the game. I'm really excited about the opportunity to hang out with you guys face-to-face. Now, we already have our private Facebook group for Patreon supporters. That's where we chat about the episode each week. People share their any thoughts or insights that were sparked as they listened. Um, sometimes they'll suggest guests and topics. And depending on what level you choose to pledge at, you may receive free copies of all my unschooling books, including new ones as they're released. Speaking of, I'm getting really close to sending them an advanced copy of my next book, The Unschooling Journey. So if you'd like to support the show on Patreon, even for as little as a dollar a month, check out the Exploring Unschooling page at patreon.com. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com forward slash exploring unschooling. And third, I wanted to share a couple of recent reviews of the show that have been posted on iTunes. One listener wrote, This podcast has helped me tremendously explore a world I had no idea about while I was wrestling with the idea that I was actually unschooling. It has helped me put on a new set of glasses of how I view my relationships, not only with my children, but how I view myself as their mother. I was able to see us in these interviews and Q&A. For that, I say thank you. And another shared, this podcast has been a huge catalyst for my own unschooling journey with my children. It's a new world for me, and this podcast has been a peek into a world that I previously did not know existed. I am so grateful for all the insight and information, as it has radically changed my family's life forever. And that is the point, to share unschooling information and inspiration with anyone who's curious to learn more about this amazing lifestyle. Thank you both so much for sharing how the podcast has impacted your family's lives. So whether you support the show on Patreon, take a moment to leave a review in iTunes, or just listen when you get the chance, I'm thrilled that you're here exploring unschooling alongside me and my guests. And next week, I'll be sharing a few highlights from last month's survey. I received 336 wonderful responses, and I'm in the middle of going through them all to get to know you guys even better. And I'm excited to share what I learned. Now, this week's quote is from our guest, Kelly. The things that challenge me are never the unschooling. It's really because I'm super attached to something, being some way or some idea I had about it. This was such a great observation and something I think we can forget when we're in the thick of our unschooling journey. It's so easy to quote blame unschooling whenever we're feeling challenged because it's likely the most unconventional thing in our lives. Our children don't go to school. But I think so often it's that living unschooling inspires us to grow as human beings, to strive to be the kind of person and parent we want to be. 
And so often it's in that fundamental personal work where our challenges lie. Who do we want to be? How do we want to be in relationship with our children, with our partner? What expectations and fears are getting in the way? Soon enough on the journey, the challenges are not about the unschooling, which explains why Anna's session in the summit is called, It's All About Me. (laughs) Wow, I love it when things come full circle. But that is enough from me. Let's get on to my conversation with Kelly. Hi, everyone. I'm Pamela Riccia from livingjoyfully.ca, and today I'm here with Kelly Callahan. Hi, Kelly. Hi, Pam. Kelly and her family have been unschooling for four years now, and as unschooling weaves ever more deeply into their lives, I'm really excited to chat with her about the kinds of connections that she's seeing. So to get us started, can you share with us a bit about you and your family? Yeah, definitely. Um, So we are a family of four. There's myself and my husband, Kevin, and our daughter, Raylan, who's 14, and our son, Liam, is 11. And um, I grew up here in Maine, but I went out to California to go to school, and that's where I met Kevin. Um, And we lived out there until my daughter was three months, and then at that point, he felt ready to move to Maine. So we (laughs) drove across country, and we've been living in Maine ever since. That is very cool. <laughs> That's yeah. Uh, yeah, m- moving by car with a three-month-old. That was a bit of a challenge. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, one of us was always in the back seat and kind of I mastered the hangover nursing technique. <laughs> and, um, but she was she was great actually. We took about a month, so we had a lot of time and stopped to see friends along the way. Oh, and wow, yeah, that sounds yeah. awesome. So how did you discover unschooling and how did your family's choice to move to unschooling come about? Yeah, it's interesting. I feel like our process was, you know, you can always go back and see the stirrings of where it started once you're way far ahead. But, um, but I actually, well, I have a teaching credential. I did teach. Um, and, but I really got into teaching through like wilderness education and experiential education. So I was always kind of more interested in the alternative forms of education. Um, and I didn't have a lot of exposure to homeschooling when I was like in college and stuff. But I, I remember there was one young woman who, um, I met through other programs we were doing and, you know, she talked about rollerblading for PE and she was just such a cool person. I was like, Oh my God, that's awesome. (laughs) Um, then I don't know if that ever planted a seed, but, um, so I, I did teach and the first time I got into like kind of a real classroom. I remember thinking, I will never send my kids to school. I just, I felt so inadequate as a teacher for these kids. I felt like the way that I put together stuff and I felt like I was, could relate to them really well, but the way that I had to try and it it just felt like just getting through the day. That's what it felt like. I just felt like I was doing them such a disservice. It didn't matter how much I connected with them. I just thought I, this is terrible. (laughs) Um, and so when and so like I got pregnant with Raylan when I was teaching at a charter school and I was like yeah I, I don't know what we're gonna do but I I don't want to send her to school and then of course you know you have kids um and and I remember thinking about homeschooling because I was so you know just amazed at the way that she engaged with the world and 
the way she would ask questions about numbers and adding things when, you know, when she was little, I thought, Oh my God, why, why would anybody put her in a math class? Like she just (laughs) is curious about numbers. Like I, I saw all of that, but I, it was funny. I never took the extra step of being like, well, let's figure out homeschooling. Um, and I think because I had had a big Waldorf influence from somebody who was important in my life and there was a Waldorf school here. And so we started doing some of that early childhood education stuff. And, um, and so we kind of got started on that track, but we moved from a town, um, here in Maine that was a little bit more, a small town, but more in town up to a rural property, which is where we are now. And I kind of had to make the decision then, cause she was going to be in first grade. If we were going to homeschool, we were going to put her in the local school. And by that time, Liam had been born and he had been in the Waldorf early childhood program. And we just thought it's a local school. We could walk to school through the woods. It was a K through eight, like one classroom. And it just felt like it had enough sweet features that we would try it. And it was fine. Like she did really well. She didn't have any complaints. And then Liam started kindergarten. But all of that time, I was also starting to go to school for homeopathy. And, um, and, and I mean, I'll say more about this later, but, you know, it's such an individualized approach to healing that I think there was starting to stir something in my brain that like, I'm doing this career that's about individuals. And yet I'm sending my kids to this place every day where it's not about the individual, really. It's about keeping them with the group. And I had a friend through my book group who unschooled her boys and we had always gone over to the houses and I thought, oh my God, it's so chaotic. <laughs> <laughs> It was like, you know, they were in the yard and they were in the house and it was like art and like bringing pans of dirt in to put on the stove. And what happens if you cook the dirt? And it was, I was like, oh my God. But the, but my son was friends with her boys. And one summer we went over there and her, one of her sons is really into digging and excavating in the yard. And he had dug this huge hole and then he wanted to build a fire in the hole and make a chimney to kind of explore the whole idea of a chimney and airflow. And so I'm not kidding for two hours, my son and her boys played with fire safely in this hole. And it was all, they were experimenting and what happens if we cover the hole and what happens if we put newspaper in and what, and I just sat there and I was like, Oh my God, he never gets to do this. Like, and it's not that we wouldn't allow that at all. It's just that between going to school every day and, you know, like how trying to like recover on vacations and camps in summer, I thought, Oh my God, the kid's six and he doesn't have this kind of like full experimentation, like open ended playtime anymore. And I went home and I just said to my husband, I was like, I think we need to think about pulling the kids out of school. And, and so we talked about it, just him and I, and I talked about like my work and how I felt like it was kind of hypocritical to be sending them to do this. Well, I was trying to help people individually, but I wasn't putting the time into my own kids. And, and at the same time, he was shifting his work as well into like coaching in the business world and also like helping individuals and helping teams out, you know, to thrive within a system based on what they needed. So we were kind of moving in this direction and it just felt like we can't have our kids be doing this thing that feels antithetical to what we're putting our passions into as a career. So we posed it to the kids, you know, they were not complaining about school. They weren't asking to leave. There weren't any problems. And, um, they were like, yeah, yeah, we're interested. And so we said, well, let's, let's keep checking in through the fall and then we'll see how it is at the end of the semester. And 
I remember we went in for like their final teacher um, conferences and my daughter was in fifth grade and we kept wanting to hear like, you know, how does she enjoy certain things and what kind of questions does she, you know, just about her in the classroom and she kept going back to the test scores. Mm-hmm. And then in my son's um, conference, the teacher was like, oh, he's great, blah, blah, blah. But then she said, well, you know, there was this incident where she and he and another boy came in and they were kind of wanting to play a practical joke or they were doing something that was a little cheeky in the classroom, kind of causing her problems. She said, you know, and I, I told them I wasn't going to tell their parents if they didn't, you know, if they, if they didn't do this again. She said, but, you know, I just want to let you know. And my husband and I were like, we never, ever want you to pit us against our son. Like, Mm -hmm. please don't do that. Don't, don't ever say you're not going to tell us. Like we don't have that kind of relationship with our kids. We want to know what's happening. Like we're not going to punish him. Like I think she thought that like we would be punishing him at home or something. So it was like this kind of manipulative back channel. We just walked out of there and we're like, we're done. (laughs) (laughs) It's this anymore. And so, yeah, so Christmas, um, it was Christmas break and they didn't go back. That's awesome. What an interesting story. I love how each of you were seeing in your own lives, right, uh, the way that you were most comfortable moving forward, like working individually and seeing how um, how valuable it is and to deal with um, situations and people as individuals, right? And then noticing um, what you were trying to help your kids do within school, which was fit into that group, right? That's fascinating how you guys made that connection. It all kind of came together at the same time, didn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I think, I always think when I hear a lot of other people's stories that sometimes it originates from the kids Mm -hmm. and then it spreads out from there. But in our way, in our sense, I mean, there was always something embedded with the kids, but it was almost like we were looking at these bigger patterns and then we were able to see what in our life wasn't fitting what we were finding was valuable and school became a part of it. That's fascinating. I really, uh, I really think found that really interesting because you're right. So often it's um, kids who are having trouble and, and us as parents are trying to figure out a path forward and that brings us there. But you guys were seeing it yourselves in your lives and just trying to incorporate it more into your family. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So um, now that you've chosen this path and they didn't go back to school after Christmas, what did you find to be one of the bigger challenges as you were de-schooling? Um, I, I thought so much about this question this week and how I wanted to talk about it because, you know, despite the fact that it, it feels like it was this very natural thing for us to be, you know, there weren't big problems. Mm-hmm. Um, it has been really challenging <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, for different reasons. And And so it's been fun kind of sorting through those threads and being like, because it's not, I can't just say there's been this one thing that's been challenging the whole time. You Mm -hmm. know, in the early years, it was kind of all the superficial things. And I think them to be superficial now, like screens, food, sleep, um, that were just kind of these topics. And some of that for me was, I know a lot of people I've heard say that like they started attachment parenting and they that led them into unschooling because it seemed like this seamless transition. But actually for me, something that was wound up in attachment parenting for me, which we did do, we co-slapped, we breastfed on demand, we did all that stuff was the way that it was married to a kind of natural parenting that 
has a fair amount of control in it point of view. Like, yes, you're going to get, you know, you're going to feed your kid when they're hungry, but it's only going to be the foods that you choose, you know, and it's going to be natural, organic, Mm -hmm. no sugar, no, you know, all that stuff, Uh, which I mean, I've always been into kind of natural food and healthy living my whole life. So I think that's also a lot of it's me and what I was gravitated to, but you know, and also like the, the no screens and the Waldorf and the, and the wooden toys. And so a lot of that I had really absorbed quite deeply. And so peeling that apart was a big challenge. Um, and that's kind of what it's morphed into that I've realized is that really there's nothing about unschooling that's challenging. It's all about what you're attached to and how strong your attachments are and your ability to look at those. Um, so I mean, not to be like super esoteric, but if you ever watch the matrix where he goes to see the Oracle and he sees the little boy (laughs) bending the spoon and he says, it's not the spoon. It's only yourself that's bending. And I think that's how I feel about unschooling now. It's like, it's not, and I've heard you say this over and over when there's problems, like people like, it's not the unschooling. Mm -hmm. And it's like, I feel like that. I'm like, the things that challenge me are never the unschooling. It's really because I'm super attached to something and being some way or some idea I had about it. You know, the idea I had about what it meant for my son to want to play video games all the time or, you know, what it meant when my daughter really did want to be taking classes and kind of keep one foot in like structured learning world. Like when I really wanted to be like full scale unschooling. So the thing that makes it easier is when I take all of the things that I learned from listening to your podcast and the things that I read, which is, you know, giving space and seeing what's really needed and not trying to rush in and control it and trusting and, and then those things, you know, like that stuff is never about the thing. It's always about how you approach it. Mm. Um, yeah. That's a great so, point. Yeah. And I think the real challenges to unschooling are things that we don't have in our life. So it's like, you know, if you have divorced parents and one parent doesn't want to unschool, like that's a real challenge to unschooling or, you know, there's state regulations where you have to do testing and stuff like that, that creates this extra layer. It's like, those are things that you have no control over. Mm -hmm. And so it is going to make what you do challenging. But when all of the, when you don't have those issues, it's, yeah, I just feel like it's, there's nothing about unschooling that is inherently challenging. Mm-hmm. That's such a great point. And I really <clears throat> love the way you pointed out that whole control piece. Like for me, when I think about it, that was one of the most challenging pieces. And it was it was um, being able to separate um, my children as whole and individual people in their own right. Like I always thought that I was, but like every time you peel back another layer, when something comes up, right. When the screens come up, you know, when, when the food comes up, like to be able to own my choices and not impose them on someone else, because it's always, you know, for their own good, for their own good. Like I know better. 
um, I'm older, you know, not, you, not in a negative. And at first it doesn't even feel like it's a controlling way. I'm trying to help them, right? I'm trying to help yeah. them learn how to be in the world and how to be safe in the world and, and how to be healthy in the world and all that kind of stuff. And that was such a huge layer to realize um, that they even as children were able to make such great decisions that worked for them when I gave them that space and realized that, that I wasn't trying to like mold this individual um, to the expectations that I felt were good, you know, because you just, you at first you feel like you're, you're trying to be so helpful to them, but Every time you dig deeper, like you said, it's not about the unschooling. It's about how we are in relationship with our children. Maybe that's a, a good way to put it, right? That that you realize how that control kind of insidiously works its way into the relationship, right? Until you keep peeling it back and peeling it back. Yeah, yeah. And, and the fear, I mean, it's just, I feel like on the other side of it is so much fear. And that's whatever whatever our fear is, is dictating how we respond. Mm -hmm. So, so an example I have, like we were going to a potluck at a friend's house and with a community of people that are all kind of very, uh, a lot of them go to the Waldorf school, very limiting on screens, you know, very controlled diet. And, and this was recently. So it was interesting to think about a couple years ago, how I would have approached this versus, you know, just a couple months ago, but we stopped at a store on the way there to get drinks. And my son picked out, I don't know, it was like a Mountain Dew energy type drink. And I could feel myself like, be like, Oh, okay, we're going to walk into this environment. And he's going to have this drink that is not something none of those kids I know, are allowed to drink this kind of stuff nobody's going to bring anything like this. And, and as somebody who's like an alternative health practitioner, like, and they see my kids drinking something that is perceived as being, you know, mm -hmm. not a good choice, blah, blah, blah. Like I was kind of like, okay, like I kind of feel like that, but we're, we're going like, I'm not going to manipulate this situation because of my fear of somebody else's, um, judgment, you know, judgment. And so we went and, you know, it was fine. And I was sitting at a picnic table with some people. And this one woman said, and my son came over and he, he said, where should I put my can? I said, I'll just leave it here. I'll find the recycling. And she said, wait, wait, wait what is he drinking? And mm. I was like, Oh, I don't, I don't know. She's like, she's like, and then the, then the conversation kind of somebody interrupted and then she went back to it and she said, well, what, what, what is he drinking? And I was like, I don't, I don't know. I think it's like a Mountain Dew. She's like, is that the kind of thing I never let my kids have? And I was like, I don't know. I don't, I don't really fight with my kids over what they drank. And she said, Oh God, I fight with my kids over everything. Oh. And in that moment, it was like, there was nothing else to say. Like, yeah. I, just, I was like, well, that ends that. Like, <laughs> <laughs> That's your choice. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, it was so, it was so beautiful for me. Cause it was like, I, what was there to fear? Like right in front of me was this living example of what the result is, is fighting with your kids all the time. And it's mm -hmm. like, Oh, I don't fight with, my kids over this kind of stuff like not just this but everything you know yeah, everything so, yeah. yeah it it was and that was a huge you know having those experiences sometimes they give me these little windows into where the whole journey has progressed you know and I can see the difference in you know two years ago I probably would have been like we're not bringing that to the party you're welcome to drink it in the car mm -hmm. you know something like that, just because I would have felt so apprehensive about being judged or him being judged. Yeah. And 
And that's the other piece, right? It's like, maybe he wouldn't care what other people think. But I would have said, oh, you you should care what other people think. So leave it in the car. Yeah, yeah. Well, so. That's such a great point. Yeah. And, and I it that is part of the journey. You know, that isn't something that you can just tell yourself to get over and then mm-hmm. expect yourself to just be okay with these moments. It is. That's why I, I love to think of the this de-schooling, but, but our lives as, as a whole unschooling journey with our children because um, it there is so much processing thinking experiences and figuring this stuff out that's I so I loved hearing you know the difference between maybe two years ago and, and now and we get to a place where we are more comfortable and then you're right when that's another thing I love when you're totally comfortable just living our lives out in the world, you get these little glimpses, right? Because people are like, Hey, Hey, that's different. That's different than what I expected. And, and you have little conversations and you get insights like that, that also that reinforce and inspire us as well to, to um, keep living and enjoying the lifestyle that we have. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I wonder if sometimes like, the whole concept of de-schooling, you know, people always feel like it should be done sooner, but mm-hmm. it, I wish there was another word that encompassed the idea that it's not just the subject. Because de-schooling makes it sound like you're just kind of getting used to what learning looks like outside of school. Yeah. But really, there's a de- it's like a de-societizing. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, but it's like, it's so much bigger than that. And so, you know, people write in and be like, you know, this is like, well, you have more de-schooling to do, but their issue isn't about school. School at all. Yeah. And so I wonder if there's like, that creates, it just popped in my head, but. Yeah, yeah. No, that's a great point because the vast majority of de-schooling really is, like you say, there is that, that initial bit, like, well, how will they learn, right? Right. Um, when they're not in school and, and how will they know what to learn and, and that kind of stuff. So, I mean, there are those, but those are dealt with pretty quickly and easily, right? Because children really do learn. And when you stop, give them space and watch them for a little while, you'll see it. And you're like, oh, okay. But so much of it is our own like personal work and um, just the whole uh, unconventionality piece, right? It's it's the, the lifestyle piece, the living together, the relationships, the control pieces, all those pieces that, like you said, really aren't school related, but are all part and parcel of moving to a thriving unschooling lifestyle, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah. yeah that, that's really interesting. Um, so speaking of your kids, can you share uh, a bit about your children's interests and how they're weaving into your lives right now? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, Liam, my youngest, who's 11, um, you know, right from the get go, we stopped, he's been very interested in, you know, computers and games. And, um, it's fun to think back. Like when he was really little, we got him like a, my first digital camera thing and Mm -hmm. it had, but he actually never was interested in taking pictures. He just wanted to play like (laughs) (laughs) tic-tac-toe when he was like three. Um, so, you know, he got super deep into Minecraft and that's really, you know, we ended up, we built a gaming computer and we've gotten into consoles. And, um, so he does a lot of gaming and it's been so cool to just, embrace that once I got through a lot of the <laughs> mock that mm-hmm. I had to dissemble for myself around yeah. it. And, um, 
And, you know, to hear him like play Overwatch and take a leadership role with people he's never met before. And there's adults on the call and he's, you know, directing this whole team and, um, you know, things like that to, Mm -hmm. you know, he'll find games that really meet an interest. So he's gotten really into cars lately. Um, Might kind of run in the family. My dad was always into cars when I was growing up, we had every kind of car. He buys cars and sells cars and fixes them up. And um, so he's recently gotten a game where you build motors and you buy a car and you take, it's called mechanic simulator, I think. And you, and you can like rebuild the car and you have to go and buy the parts and work within a budget and then resell it and swap out parts and stuff. And so, um, you know, we don't have a mechanic shop here at the house. And so it's a really, accessible way for him to start getting his hands on the idea of motors before he can go hang out with my dad and do it for real. Um, <laughs> so yeah. So in, but another big passion of his is mountain biking. He and my husband do this together, downhill mountain biking. So like taking the chairlift up like ski ah. mountains. And um, yeah. so they do that a lot. They drive pretty far to go to a place in New Hampshire called Highland. That's like his home away from home and um, jumping and I don't, I mean, it's just crazy what they do. So <laughs> loves, loves, loves that. Um, and he's kind of a spiraler, like things come around and then they go away for a little bit, come around. So cooking and food has always been of interest to him. And he's, it's interesting. It's been a huge part of his life, but he's never actually wanted to like get his hands on actually cooking until like just recently. But for years he's been watching cooking shows and, it's it's just so fascinating to see the different ways that an interest emerges and the different, it's just a spectrum that you can be interested in something instead of like actually doing a thing and how that's mm-hmm. like, it's still so valuable all the ways that you explore it. Um, and then to have it come around and it's like, okay, now he's ready to get in the kitchen. Yeah. Um, so it's really cool. And he loves music and um, listens to audiobooks And so that's, that's him. Um, and my daughter, Raylan, is 14, and she's always been – I mean, when she left school, she said, I'm going to learn everything through music. And pretty much for – she decided to go to high school this year because there's a performing arts charter school that she had the opportunity to go to. So she's been doing that. But um, in the three years that she was out, she has continued playing fiddle and violin. She picked, She did cello for a little while. She's singing lessons, piano. Um, she self-taught guitar. She just really went deep into music and um, that's been really cool to watch since she and my husband play together. She plays fiddle and he plays guitar. Um, and she's super creative. She loves to knit and spin and cook and sew and um, just create all kinds of different stuff. And, but she's, and she's always kind of kept one foot. Like she wanted to be involved in the co-op that we have here and she would teach some classes and she would take a lot of classes and she would do online classes. And I always thought it was interesting that she kept returning to classes. But what I've realized is that she has a huge interest in people and also in her own sense of kind of leadership and I think exploring like who she is in relation to other people. She's taking a psychology class right now. And so you know, in hindsight, it's like, wow, like doing those classes wasn't only just for the class. It was also, I think, part of this interest of exploring who she is in a group, but doing it Mm -hmm. on her own terms, you know, not having to do it 
you know, go to things she doesn't want to go to be under somebody's structure, you know, it's all self-chosen, but, um, but I never thought of it until recently as an interest, mm-hmm. oh, you know, that's a great point. Yeah. That there's something she's exploring through that. It's not like, well, I don't know any other way to do this. So I'm just going to take a class. Like that isn't what I think it's about for her. I think it's about mm-hmm. like, there's something she gets from being in that group and feeling out those dynamics that, um, is a huge interest to her. Yeah, that she, well, like you said, the the big piece is that it's a choice, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that she's choosing these and, and to notice that pattern that she's choosing that kind of environment um, is, is really fascinating, right? I mean, <clears throat> I, I, it could be that um, that is the kind of environment in which she likes to engage and, and learn things, right? But also, like like you said, that just might be the kind of environment just in which she thrives and li- and and likes to kind of explore, like you said, relationships and the the social dynamics and and how and the the leadership side of it, how she engages with people. Um, so she gets that piece on top of whatever the interesting topic is to her of the subject of the course, right? Yeah. And it's because, and it's, and it's like, it's moved too. So like it started out like in our homeschooling co-op and she, you know, she had friends at school, but I would not say that she found like a really, a group of kids or that she really like clicked with. And that mm-hmm. is so interesting. All the socialization things that didn't happen for her until she started homeschooling. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and that's when she met, you know, a group of, you know, with some of her best friends now. And she was, you know, it was all about socializing and being with these kids for a couple of years. And then she, she does this camp in the summer called Village Harmony, where they put together a program and they sing all these international songs and they tour throughout New England. And that's like this whole other experience where, you know, they're staying with host families and you're in this tight knit group 24 seven for three weeks. Like she loves that. And then there was a point as she got older where she was feeling like she was kind of ready to move on from her homeschooling group into the extent that she was. I mean, she's still very good friends with all of them. And something like high school started to look interesting. So it's like you could just see her kind of like, okay, I've I've experienced this, you know, like I get this dynamic now. I've gotten what I need from it. Now I'm ready to get this next thing, Mm -hmm. you know, but in terms of being with people and being with a group. And, um, so, so yeah, yeah, that's really, really fun to watch that. Yeah. And, and like you said, it's a totally different experience when, when you're choosing it and you know that you can change your mind too. Right. So that, you know, each day that you're walking in there, um, interested in engaging with the environment, not trying to avoid it. Right. Yeah. And we talk a lot about that, about what, what she's getting from going to school versus what she's having to give up. And so that's Mm -hmm. a lot of the conversations we're having right now, because it's a, it's a long commute to school. And um, Mm -hmm. there's a lot of other things she wants to do that she has to say no to. So weighing that, and that's a, that's a huge learning experience Yeah, to sift through those priorities and choices and Mm-hmm. And to, you know, to, to choose a path and to try it out and then and see what happens. Right. So, you know, each time something new comes up and she has to make a choice there, each 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 thing is is uh, a new kind of 
learning experience on the journey, right? Yeah. And it makes me think that it's another way that it's like, especially with radical unschooling where, you know, after a time, it really, you're so much further beyond just the school aspect. It's really about how you, how you're living together and your relationships and how you approach things. So it doesn't, if somebody chooses to go to school, it doesn't matter. Like it doesn't, in the beginning, I was kind of afraid, like, are we still unschooling? And I was like, yeah, nothing's going to change about the way that we are together or the way that we, you know, support her or the way we talk to her about her choices. Like it's just another possibility. Yeah. It's just another choice on the plate. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, that's a good point that, um, and, and you, you made that point, um, that it's when it's further on in your journey, when you get to that point where, where, like you said, you know, she's choosing that because she's interested in the environment, not because she's got little voices in the back of her head saying, you're not really learning unless you're in school. Like you said, you've moved beyond all that. And now it's just another choice with no greater, um, power, um, for lack of a better word, than any other choice. It's just which one works best, do you think will work best for you in this particular situation, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um, you mentioned earlier, and I'd like to dive into it a little bit, that you've discovered some interesting connections uh, between your work as a homeopathic doctor and unschooling. And that was even part of your initial decision to move towards unschooling. And I know as I continue to learn on my writing journey that I make connections and gain insights that feed into my unschooling journey and vice versa. You know, as we were talking earlier, like this is on the scale of life, not just school. And it's so it seems like when I go deeper into one, it takes me deeper into the other. Like I just had a great big insight um, in a writer's group that that I was in um, and something someone said that was totally related to writing, but completely <laughs> relates to what I learned further on in my unschooling journey. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that you found that as well. And I was hoping you could speak about that a little bit. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, so, I mean, a lot of people, well, I got into homeopathy because I started using it when my kids were little because it was natural and that's, the, usually the things I chose. And, um, I was just so blown away by how effective it was. I was like, I really need to learn this. And, um, and what's interesting, one parallel is that, and this actually happens to a lot of people that I've talked to is you kind of see the impact of homeopathy. Maybe you've tried it for the flu or something like that. And so you want to learn more. And it isn't until you've actually committed to getting into a program and you're deep into study that you realize how deep it is and how expansive and people are kind of blown away. It's like, I had no idea this is what we're doing because it's such a dynamic and deep medicine. And I feel like it's kind of like that with unschooling. It's like you get into it, you're like, oh, I just want to give myself extra choice and blah, blah, blah. And then your yeah. life is like <laughs> radically changed. You're like, I had no idea that this is what I was getting myself into. Um, but a lot of people know of homeopathy as like cures like. That's the, you know, if you're throwing up, you might take Ipecac, the remedy, because syrup of Ipecac would make you throw would make you throw up. So if you take it when you are throwing up, it can help you stop throwing up. And it's a very old principle, um, goes all the way back to Hippocrates. And um, but what a lot of people don't know is there's the the thing that actually makes it really effective is some other principles too, one of which is the idea of a minimum dose that you only give just enough to have an effect. 
So if you think about unschooling, it's like you think about how little you have to do sometimes to support someone, to light a spark, to connect to ideas. And, you know, the way schools do it is like, okay, we're going to throw the American Revolution at you for nine weeks, you know, whereas Mm -hmm. one comment in a show or one like, you know, something that comes up on the news can totally snowball into this huge, amazing interest. But it starts with something very little that just happened to hit the right chord. And, um, and that's exactly what we do with the remedies. We just give just enough to stimulate the susceptibility, the interest, you know, that's already there. Um, the other thing is it's individual. So we've talked a little bit about that. Like 10 people could have the same diagnosable condition, but every single one would get a different medicine because the way that we, our bodies express things is individual, even though in the diagnosis world, we might call it the same thing, but everybody has their own characteristics. So, you know, in unschooling, it's like you have 10 kids who are all interested in music, but they're all going to be interested in different ways. You know, like I think about my daughter plays fiddle and all these, she's really into, um, like more traditional music. My son loves music, but he's into more electronic and hip hop and, you know, things like that. But, but they still have this love of music or like the way somebody approaches an instrument. So, and when it's individualized, it's so much more powerful because they're getting exactly what they need. And, you know, in school, of course, they can't do that. You know, they try and, um, you know, have maybe some loose groups or something like that. But but really, you know, you got to keep up with the group. Um, and then there's an idea of totality. So it's like if somebody comes in with just kind of maybe they have stomach aches, you know, when I'm talking to them, I'm going to talk about everything about their life. What are other symptoms they have? What are dreams that they have? How is their sleep? How is their appetite? Like we don't chop the person up into just, well, I'm only going to treat your stomach. It's like, no, that's what your stomach is doing. But your stomach is not separate from the rest of your whole body. So we treat the whole person. And, um, you know, with unschooling, it's like we look at the idea of everything is everything is connected. You know, mm-hmm. we don't isolate subjects we don't you know say well you can only learn math in through doing equations you know like it's all there's a totality to it all mm-hmm. um and then finally there's the idea of of dynamism of kind of that the healthier we are the more dynamic we are the more able we are to be flexible and to change course and so you know somebody who maybe goes out in the cold and they always get a sinus infection as they get healthier, they will be less inclined to do that because their body has figured out other ways to adapt to that challenge. Um, and so it's like, I think the same thing with unschooling. It's like, we can be flexible. You know, it's like, it's all about somebody's interested in something and this doesn't work. Okay, well, let's try it this way. Let's try it this way. Like, how can we meet the needs? not, here's a rule. Mm-hmm. So, you know, those kind of four things, um, you know, giving just enough, looking at the individual, but considering the whole and, you know, that the you're going from the maximum adaptability and dynamism, like, I just see those as being so on point. And so much of what doesn't happen in schools and also in like the conventional medical um, world as well. You know, you kind of look mm-hmm. at the school system and a lot of conventional medical approaches as similar because everybody gets the same treatment often and 
and that kind of thing, which is not to say that in those systems, there aren't people who do very well because of course there are. Mm -hmm. Um, so it's not about like saying, you know, that's all terrible and doesn't work because for some people it does work, but, um, but it's limiting, you know? Um, yeah. So, you know, there's just kind of like, those are just like straight up principles, but then there's things like, as I, so the year after the kids, we took the kids out of school, I had already accepted to go into this, um, international advanced training program in Sweden. So three times a year, I went to Sweden for a week and that was challenging trying to cover, you know, get the support at home while I did these trips. But it was, it was so interesting to be diving deeper into this, um, you know, this modality and this practice of homeopathy. Well, at the same time, I was diving deeper into unschooling. And there were so many times, like you were saying with your writing group, like where I was sitting there listening to, you know, a lecture or class and I would be like, oh my God, this is totally what I just read on this whole thread. And this is what Sandra and all these people, <laughs> like the, the crossover just in terms of like, it's really about what makes life thrive. Like that's mm-hmm. what it is, you know? And one of them is an approach to, you know, healing on the physical and mental, emotional plane. And one of them is about, you know, in our engagement with the world and learning and learning about yourself. And, but even to me, like those totally cross over. Um, so it's, <laughs> Yeah, it's it's been it's been really incredible, and it it also affected because I've gone on to teach um, at a school here in Maine, and the way that I teach is totally different. So like, I don't even go in for a weekend and plan. I don't really plan lessons. I see what comes up. What are the questions they're asking, and then you know, I'm further enough now in my own practice that I can go home that night or I can pull things up on the fly because I'm always trying to give them what they need. Mm-hmm. at that time, you know, based on the cases that we're seeing or the questions that we're asking, because I know that when you get what you need in the moment that you need it, it's going to be so much more powerful than if I just come in and say, well, this is what we're learning about this weekend, because this is what you need to know to move forward. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's always some of that, but 80 to 90% of the time, I kind of tread these like unknown waters of being like, okay, I'm going to go in and I've, <laughs> I've got bags of tricks and I've got, you know, I know these resources and let's see what, let's see what comes up. And, um, and I really, I, I don't know that I would have had the guts to do that if we hadn't been unschooling and I didn't have that understanding of how people learn backed up. Mm-hmm. And I think it makes us better practitioners for sure. Um, and it also impacts how I am with like the people who come to see me because I'll have, I treat a lot of kids. I have a lot of kids who come see me and families and, and because I know, you know, my own experience through unschooling about how do we support people in relationships? I can offer that not in unschool. I don't say I'm going to offer you this unschooling, whatever, but, um, but I can bring it in, in this very like, non-threatening, but just supportive way. Like, Oh, you know, have you considered like this and you can, you know, support this way. And this will also, you know, while they're, you know, having the remedy and we're seeing that response, you can do this. And, um, so incredibly complimentary in that way as well. Wow. That is so interesting. Yeah. Like you said, you know, you start to see these connections when you start to dive deeper, right? So that was really interesting for me to hear about so many of those. And I love the way you've been able to, that's a great thing. I, w- I was 
let me finish my sentence. The way you've been able to bring um, those worlds together for yourself, like um, uh, like you said, being able to make more holistic suggestions um, to your clients and then to people who are coming to you to learn, you're able to um, to take what. I love your point about, you know, the questions that they're asking or the cases that they're seeing and tailoring, helping them learn because that's where their brain is right now, right? That's what they're thinking about. That's what they're interested in. And that's where they're going to be able to make the most learning connections rather than a random piece of information that you're throwing at them, right? Yeah. Yeah. No, I love how you've been able to bring all that together. It's so interesting to me. I love seeing um, all those because because it is about the bigger picture of life and how we choose to to live in the world right yeah and my husband has seen this seen really seen the same thing in his work I mean he works Mm -hmm. in the corporate world and you know he's going into these very bureaucratic entrenched systems but he he also went to graduate school when I was going to school (laughs) several years um and he got his master's in positive organizational development. And it's all about finding what is working and let's expand from what's working instead of what's not working. Let's come up with some kind of solution to fix it. So, mm-hmm. you know, his work is really about talking to people and finding out what their experiences and getting people to actually talk to each other and hear each other. And, um, and so we have lots of, I mean, I can't explain his work as well as my own, but I I mean, we have a lot of conversations as we, you know, talk about unschooling and we talk about what we see the kids doing in our own work. And it's like, they just all all seem to be resonating on the same plane. And I think it's because these are not like, these are truths. They're things that are like the way that things thrive. It's not about any particular discipline. I mean, you could even look at like, I was thinking about, you know, conventional versus organic agriculture, you know, again, where it's like one of them is just, this is what plants need. Let's just give it in mass, you know, let's yeah. we're just <laughs> spray everything. We're just going to do monoculture and, and the issues that result from that versus, you know, an organic approach where you're like, well, let's see what it actually is needed and let's just give enough for what they need and let the plants need. And let's, you know, it's like you look at something to see what is actually needed and just, again, it's that individuality and the totality and you just give enough and you have a thriving situation as opposed to the mass, everything gets the same. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's great. I love that. And as you mentioned, yeah, it, these are these are truths about um being human and living and making choices. I love the way you're seeing that in in just so many different disciplines. And speaking of your husband, I know I understand that um, he's been traveling a lot with work. So I was wondering if you could share your experience with keeping him in the loop and, and plus your trips to Sweden, right? And maintaining connections uh, with the family while he's away. Yeah, so um, it was definitely a shift. You know, when we one of the things that enabled us to move both to Maine and up to where we are kind of rurally is that he, he worked from home actually from the time Raylan was born until I guess maybe she was 10 or 11. So he was really very intimately involved in, you know, all their baby and toddler and preschool years and stuff, which was fantastic. Um, so it was a big shift to having him travel more. Um, and we've done lots of different things. You know, he's done everything from, when he stays in hotels last summer, or last winter, he and Liam were playing 
tons of overwatch together and they had like the same team that they would meet up with. And, and he would complain to the hotels about their Wi-Fi, and he would say, you know, (laughs) I'm away from my family. And they have a lot of consultants who are away. I mean, that's, you know, most of them, that's a lot of their midweek trade. And he said, I, this is how I connect with my family is that I game with my son. So let's figure out what you guys need to do to get the Wi-Fi going so that I can like actually <laughs> connect with my family. And they were so responsive to it. Um, you know, we'd have people be like, Oh, that's so cool that you keep in touch with your son that way. And, um, so, you know, there's things like very specific things like that. Um, and then of course, you know, the kids have their own devices. So they, you know, they text him and, um, not, we're not, not we're not really big phone people. Um, mm-hmm. so, you know, a lot of times like he and I will talk on the phone as I'll share with him, you know, what's going up on and the kids, I mean, they're always welcome to call and talk to him, but a lot of times people are, everybody's kind of into their own thing. And so, um, you know, it's just on a, as needed basis, but it's never felt like he's unavailable. You know, Ah. if one of the kids says, well, what do you, you know, I want to do this with dad or what do you think he'll think about this? It's like, well, let's text him, you know, let's like, we can get in touch with him and see. Um, so just always having that open. And then a year and a half ago, he was working just about an hour and a half south of us in um, Portland. And he worked really hard to get his company to put the money they would put into hotels into a house. So we actually mm. moved temporarily down to Portland for the summer to be together. Um, and that was really, that was really, it was great. Um it was, I just kept thinking about how grateful I was that we were unschooling because we didn't have to worry about, well, we can't do this because the kids are in school. We can't pull them out of school and, you know, or that it was like some big commitment, you know, that if we did it, we wouldn't be able to change our mind. And, Mm -hmm. you know, we did all of it. We did it. We kept our house up here. We went back and forth when we wanted to. We, you know, experimented with life down there and ultimately decided that the kids and I were more comfortable being at home. And so we did it for three or four months and then we came home and, um, but, you know, constantly trying to find ways to see what, what we can do to have more time together and more access. And, um, but along with that, like, we don't, we don't put a lot of pressure or expectation on it. You know, if he doesn't, mm-hmm. the kids are super busy and involved and he doesn't hear from them for the week, you know, he doesn't feel bad. And, you know, likewise with them, it's just staying, you know, open and, and, uh, doing what we can. Yeah. I think your point about, um, them, them all knowing that he's available. Right. Right. To know that whenever that connection is wanted, it can be made versus, like you said, not an expectation that uh, we're going to make sure we sit down and talk three times a week or something like that. You know, that puts that puts a layer on top of it that that um, starts to build a resistance, I think. But to know that it's always a, that it's available there and that your husband responds when they when they reach out right so that that builds that trust for them as well that 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 path is available whenever they want or need so that's really cool and as you said staying open to possibilities like going and trying out that house for a while and and trying out different things as they come up um i yeah, I think maybe the most important thing is is building that framework, right, for support, that foundation, so that then people um, have it there to use whenever they they have a need or an interest, right? 
Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, you know, sometimes he's missed certain things, but then like, you know, the kids know the work he does. He's Raylan's had him come and facilitate like group meetings with her co-op and he's going to come do some guitar stuff at a big workshop she's planning at school. So, you know, it, it, it definitely, I think we've been really successful at, um, you know, while all of us would love for him to be home more and it has been definitely been a lot of times where it's been really challenging. Um, I think we've, you know, we've succeeded in keeping the accessibility and, you know, the relationships really strong. Yeah. 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 Oh, that's awesome. Now for this last question, as, as I mentioned before, you've been unschooling for four years. Um, and I think a lot of what we've talked about has really, uh, has really worked well highlighting the kind of unschooling connections and principles that have been weaving into all aspects of your life now. Like, like we had mentioned earlier that, you know, at the beginning, it's all about the school stuff. Uh, but then it becomes uh, a lifestyle. It becomes life things. Um, so I was just wondering if, if there was any other ways that we haven't uh, mentioned yet that you've noticed unschooling principles weaving into your lives. Um, or did we hit it all? <laughs> Well, the only, the only thing I was thinking about was like, and this is something that, um, I think is growing. It's like, it's like, I feel like the kind of work home, like all of that is a really like well integrated and thriving. Like that feels like it's really on a roll. And the piece that's kind of starting to emerge is that I think more and more about applying the principles to like my friendships or my relationships with my family or, things like that. It's been interesting to see that sometimes that has been slower to, um, you know, like if I'm feeling stuck around an issue with a relationship or something like that. And I thought, Oh, I could, you know, if I start to think about it, it doesn't feel quite as quick and natural to think about applying unschooling principles as I feel like Mm -hmm. it's so easy in other ways but that but I know that I've heard other people talking about like how much it has enriched their other relationships and their family stuff extended family and um so I feel like that is a piece that's like still kind of gaining momentum and I'm really putting attention to that you know really wanting to nurture that um that complementary Mm-hmm. I guess. Yeah, that's interesting because because those are kind of extended family or, or um, you know, another concentric circle outward uh, of patterns that we're just used to. And that's just the way we engage with them. Right. Right. So, yeah, th- that's really interesting to start thinking, well, you know, I'm going to what how would that look if I were to bring this other piece of the, of what I've learned about being in relationship with other people. But I mean, for me, one thing I've noticed too, is that um, as we talk about unschooling takes effort, right? This isn't, this isn't the, the lazy choice. So we're not right. doing school anymore. So this is going to be easy. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> so it's not, I can't bring that level of engagement and effort into everything you know what right. I mean uh, and so that's it, it becomes a choice you know 
um, how much, I guess, I guess effort, but you know, there, there is, there, the other piece is, you know, with some, uh, maybe acquaintances is probably the best way to put it, but they also have their relationship patterns that mean something to them. And, you know, I, typically they're more conventional, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I'm okay with just conventionally um, engaging with them at the level they want. You know, sometimes I wish with some extended family that they would be more interested in engaging more deeply, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but they want to keep it on that superficial level that, you know, how's the weather? How are the kids? Is anybody sick? And then, you know, talk to you next month or whatever. Right. But, uh, but you know, um, there becomes some relationships where you're like, you know what, we can, if if they're open to that level of, of engagement and, and thought, that there's some value to the relationship for it bringing that um, peace to the table. Yeah, it has has really helped them. Um, those relationships go deeper, I guess. But yeah, that's that's really interesting how you're noticing that piece and and thinking about bringing that in too. Well, become you, you know, the more the more radical unschooling makes your life flow smoother Mm -hmm. and easier. Those pieces where it's not become more obvious, noticeable, right? (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) I want this over there too. And you know what? Now that I think of it, one of those pieces that that really helped one of those unschooling principles that not trying to to control people or have expectations of people that was uh, further into my journey, being able to release expectations of say, you know, an aunt or an uncle or grandparent, the relationship that they would be having with my child, you know, yeah. a lot of, a lot of it was my work again, <laughs> right. our work to, to release those expectations. And then all of a sudden those relationships seemed easier but it was because I had done the work to release that and to let just let it flow where it was going to go to stop trying to control things. That's yeah. interesting. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. It's again, it's not about the unschooling. <laughs> it's yeah. not about the unschooling. <laughs> well, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me today, Kelly. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. It was really fun. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. And before we go, where's the best place for people to connect with you online? Um, well, I'm on Facebook just as an individual. And then um, I have a practice called Concentric Healing. And so I have a Facebook page and then I have a website, concentrichealing.com. Um, I don't do any blogging with unschooling because I just can't. <laughs> I had to make a decision, <laughs> but I thought about it and I was just like, oh, I, I yeah. I needed to <laughs> needed to do some self care so and not time. overextend myself more. So exactly, yeah, yeah. So concentrichealing.com and on Facebook. And- oh, that's brilliant! Thank you so much, Kelly. Have a great day. Thank you. You too. Thanks for listening. I hope you found it helpful. You might also like the backlist episodes at livingjoyfully.ca forward slash podcast. While you're there, be sure to check out the second book in my Living Joyfully with Unschooling series, Free to Live, Create a Thriving Unschooling Home. In it, I dive into the four characteristics that I found helped unschooling flourish in our home, 
curiosity, patience, strong relationships, and trust. One reviewer wrote, Really enjoyed this short and sweet book. It has marvelous one-liners, and though I'm not an underliner, I found myself underlining on every page. Another said, I believe it would benefit any homeschooler or parent to read this book as it re-emphasizes the importance of the relationship between a parent and a child in the learning process. I plan to reread this book. It is rich and full of gems. Give yourself some time to absorb it before rushing into unschooling. Until next time, have fun living and learning with your family.